Now, I, I get into shows very um, sporadically. It really takes a lot to sort of grab my attention when it comes to a show. Uh, a lot of it has to do with how many seasons a show might have, what the exact kind of story the show is trying to tell. You know, a show is a huge investment in comparison to what a movie is, and... I need to be sort of grabbed. So, like, a good example, I think I've said this before on other entries, is when The Walking Dead was first coming out, it was around the same time as, like, American Horror Story was first premiering, and Game of Thrones was first coming out. Like, TV was big back then. Like, you had these big, big shows that were really, like, the talks of, like, everybody that you went to work with or went to school with. Everybody was talking about one of these three shows. I had given all three of those a shot. Now, I'm just saying that I'm a big pilot person. So when I say I give them a shot, I just watch the first episode. If I'm grabbed within that first episode, I'm going to invest the time into that. Game of Thrones was really confusing. I felt American Horror Story was all over the place. And when I watched The Walking Dead, it did grab me. And I winded up watching more than just that one. And at that point in time, I think... Only the first season and half of the second season was out. So I had binged both of those. And then I was like, I need more of this, which is when I discovered that The Walking Dead was then a comic book. So I deep dived into that. And it's just, that's what it really takes. That first episode really is what drove me to say, you know what? This is worth investing in. And I invested so much into something like The Walking Dead. And I didn't really do anything with Game of Thrones or American Horror Story until years after the fact. I don't think I got into American Horror Story until well after its fourth season. And the only reason I got into Game of Thrones was because my wife was really into it and she got she deep dove into it. I think she like knows a little Dothraki. Like that's how deep she was into it. So it takes a lot for me to get into a show and sometimes I don't get into it very much later down the line. This is a show that is sort of falls in that boat. New Amsterdam is some random, you know, what are those types of shows? Hospital shows, I guess you can call them. It sort of came out of nowhere. It popped up on Netflix. I think it was an NBC show. And the first four season had premiered on Netflix a couple of months ago. And I think it's because around sometime before the fifth season had aired, they had announced that the fifth would be its last season. And what dragged me into it was this thing Netflix does where it kind of gives you the first, like five like minutes of randomness, like a, like a two-minute scene when you highlight a certain t- show or movie. So the f- like the two-minute scene it gave me was the fact that you had this guy sitting in this auditorium with a bunch of doctors at this hospital, and he's basically like, we're going to change the way the medical profession is done. And this whole scene just really grabbed me, and I was just so, so interested that I eventually, like, dove into it a little bit more, and I got the idea of the story it was trying to tell, and I was like, I'm interested. I think I want to really go deep into this, and then I binged all four seasons in, like, two weeks, and then we watched the final season up until its uh, last episode uh, a couple of months ago, it was, that it just ended, And it just was so, I don't want to say it was so right, because there is a sort of uncomfortable feeling to the ending, and I don't mind kind of spoiling it a little bit, because it is a very long show, and if you haven't gotten into it now, hopefully this gives you a reason to get into it. If you like, you know, hospital shows like that, like the only other hospital show I've ever really been really deep into was House, because House is a phenomenal show, and I've watched all eight seasons 
four times at least, start to finish. My wife thinks it's hilarious how really into house I am. But I don't really get into Grey's Anatomy. I really cared for that. I didn't really get into ER or things like that. Like, certain hospital shows have to have a sort of niche to the to, to be able to kind of grab my attention as, you know, a uh, consumer of the of the content in a way. So New Amsterdam grabbed me because it was just really interesting that number one, it takes place in New York. Uh, number two is the character Max and what he's kind of trying to do. He's kind of like the I guess overzealous, you know, liberal Democrat that's just like, we're going to fight the whole healthcare system. And then you see throughout the show that he kind of does, but you also kind of seeing a lot of the backdraft of that. Like he works with a lot of people that agree with him, but they also have to deal with it from all these different perspectives of the healthcare system. And, you know, he wins some, he loses some. And it's just that fight that he has, but he's always just so optimistic about how healthcare could be more than just making money. It could be actually about helping people. You know, you see a lot of that from all these shows. They're all about helping their patients. And for some reason, there's always only one patient. It's never only one patient, you know, but it's also never bustling. You know, the emergency room is never that crazy on any given day. At least I don't believe so. I feel like every time I was in an emergency room, they're, they're very fast and proficient, and people aren't just kind of, like, sitting there, and it isn't haywire like some of these shows portray. And I think New Amsterdam kind of catches, like, a nuance like that in a very uh, a very niche way when it comes to these type of shows. And then the character Max also is just this portrayal of, you know, the very extreme version of what he's representing versus the kind of real scenarios that you would face if you're trying to kind of fight the system from the inside out in a way. So that's what really gravitated me towards New Amsterdam. And as I progressed through this, you know, each season had its kind of, you know, I don't want to say a little twist on it, but it, just, it was able to still keep it interesting. Though there are some story points that were a little irritating, a lot of them, you know, they... they, they they want they, they they make you feel like you want to learn more. You want to go deeper down the rabbit hole of this story. You know, the major one is the very first season you discover that Max also has a, a version of throat cancer. And he's fighting that battle while also being a director. And his wife's pregnant. And she's, like, giving up her dance life so he can go and be the director of this hospital. But he's also very into his job. So he, does, he takes time away from, like, his family. And she's on the verge of being pregnant and he promised her that he would be more there for her and they're on the verge of a divorce. And it's just that whole season of just all of those dynamics, just revolving around Max while learning the other major characters is just really good storytelling, especially leading up to the ending of that season where it ends with this huge ambulance crash right after his wife gives birth. And he's been going through chemo the wife just gave birth. She had complications. They were stuck in her apartment because of something. I can't remember why. And they were in these ambulances. And some dude in the ER, like, who was, like, a lawyer that they discovered was, like, hopped up on coke, was, like, really nervous that his his um, his um business would find out about these drug allegations. And they would fire him and he would lose his livelihood. So he steals an ambulance to try to get away and winds up causing this huge accident 
And that's how that first season ends, is on that cliffhanger. So you follow all this down the line, and then boom, you get hit with something like that that you can't wait till you see what happens in the next season, which also gave me these very Supernatural vibes. Because that's how the first season of Supernatural is. All the first season of Supernatural is is teaching you what these brothers do, having them fight through monsters, learning all these different techniques, while they look for their father and avoid this demon who's, like, after them. And it ends with this huge car crash that you think, oh, great, they found their father, but everybody's dead now. So that's why I kind of got those vibes from it, too. And I also love Supernatural. Granted, it's probably not what they were going for, but it's just that 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 traumatic event of what happens. Then the second season starts and that very first episode of the second season. Again, when you're talking about grabbing you, it still grabs you when you're able to get into the second part of a show like this where they're pushing the story forward. And it opens up on such a traumatic episode where it's all the aftermath, all of the injuries that that were suffered, all of the trauma that everybody's experiencing. And you sort of see the character Max with his daughter and his wife in bed. And they process that by letting you kind of see that, okay, she's still kind of healing and he's kind of taking care of the baby while she's healing, takes him to the hospital, leaves him in the daycare, and then he goes home and there's all these flashbacks of what happened after the accident. And then you learn that the wife isn't even really there. He's hallucinating her. So she died at the end of that first season and you spend the first half of season two dealing with him dealing with these hallucinations like he talks to her as if she's really there and he kind of gets the baby involved in this delusion when the baby is you know i mean it's his baby's not going to recognize it but he gets her involved in it like you see scenes where you kind of see him sort of hand the baby off to her because it's meant to kind of trick your brain into not remembering that yeah she's dead and he's gone through such a traumatic event that he's hallucinating that she's not And he won't tell anybody about it until way later in the season. And then he starts trying to deal with it and starts trying to accept that she's dead. So that's the first two seasons of this show. And then it leads all the way through. You watch his daughter get older. You watch him fight, you know, the good fight with everybody. You watch him fall in love again. And, you know, it's 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 obvious, regular primetime, not house shows, but hospital shows that sort of give this this drama to these stories as well. And there's a lot of drama, you know, there's a lot of unnecessary drama. There's this entire uh subplot with one of the be the um the big deal uh surgeons that's a main character throughout the entire show and he has this like love triangle sort of. So there's another doctor who works there. Well, there's two doctors that work there in two different departments. And one department, this surgeon works there in, and he falls in love. I believe it's, uh, I believe it was Dr. Reynolds, Dr. Um, the doctor who I'm talking about. Dr. Reynolds falls in love with a doctor in another department. She winds up being married to the head of his surgical department, which you discover later. And they have this deal where, oh, I can kind of mess around with anybody I want and he's okay with it as long as we don't ask questions and he does the same thing. So this sort of deal they have winds up coming to fruition when they decide that, you know what, we all work together, we have to tell him. They tell him, it becomes awkward. She winds up getting pregnant. They don't know whose it is. It's just, it's it's a lot of nonsense that really doesn't come to term, especially by the end of the show. Like after the fourth season, when they kind of end off that whole plot point with Dr. Reynolds, it doesn't get brought up in season five. Now, granted, 
Season five is supposed to be the end. It was cut in half. They usually did like 22 episodes per season. I think the last one was only 13. So I guess they had to cut time for that. But even the last season, even though it was still just as much of what you were what you were expecting out of the show, it's upsetting because I do feel like it ended good, but it didn't end good enough. Like it could have been better. Simply put, the ending of the show was basically 13 episodes, 12 that are all the same basic stuff. You fight the good fight, you learn these new characters, you know, you have a, a doctor who's making a big deal um, in the ending of the fourth season into this season where she uh, is deaf and she knows sign language, so they're putting an emphasis on her and how she's like made, be trying to be made to be bigger because she's a really, really good surgeon, even though she's deaf and they make her a big deal. And you, you learn that character and all that storyline that's revolving around her, which is awesome. But right at that very last episode, it's almost like it null and voids anything that happened beforehand because just randomly, the last episode is just him making a speech about how he's going to another country to help fight the, the good fight and heal people who are less fortunate, which hasn't been brought up at all. Like, all you needed to do was have one more episode right before that last episode where you talked a little bit about this subject. Bring it up a little bit. Like, oh, we have this... Uh, these people who would like you to do such a thing and then have him battle with whether or not he makes that decision, that would have been a little bit more, for me at least, a, a little bit more worthwhile than just dropping a bomb that he randomly decided to leave. Meanwhile, the whole fourth season's premise is him moving to England and then realizing he has to go back to New York because the person they put in his place as the director of this hospital winds up really turning it upside down and turning it into the uh, the worst hospital ever. So he's willing to give that up to come back and be, you know, the doctor that the hospital needs. But then randomly he just decides that, yeah, I'm going to just go to another country now again, and it's fine this time for some reason. It's just it, there was certain things that were missing in that very last episode that really you sort of really deserved a little bit more explanation especially for somebody who would have invested you know five years into this show if they were watching it real time you know it started in 2018 and it just ended this year so being that you wanted to invest that time into it to have a very lackluster sort of film is a little heartbreaking to say the least but you know i mean i, I might just be nitpicky maybe other people who watched it and saw that ending felt that it was worth it i don't think it was but what is worth it about that very last episode is like as i said he's got a daughter by the end of the first season beginning of the second season you kind of see her grow up they do some time hops uh, another thing I appreciate is I think it was season three. They go really deep on the pandemic. They were like probably one of the few shows or movies that I saw that really emphasized real life scenarios. Like they really went deep into what a hospital was like during the pandemic and what they were dealing with. And to me, that's a big deal because I, I don't think I've seen anything besides this show that has really portrayed what what actually happened in that in that light in that sort of atmosphere and i think that's great so you see all of that and then it leads up to the last episode and what you what you've shown throughout that episode is you've shown what is supposed to be his replacement and you see a girl who is meant to be the new director who kind of has the same personality traits as him you know the very first episode starts with him 
leaving his apartment and running to the hospital to change into some to some scrubs. Even though he's a director, he changes into scrubs and he's a doctor. He goes on the floor and there are some janitors sitting there and they're talking in Spanish. And they're talking in front of him because they don't think he speaks Spanish. And then out of nowhere, he starts speaking Spanish to them and kind of blows their minds. So this episode is the same thing where it's this new director who's meant to come in and take his place because he's leaving, quote unquote, and he she's around some people who I think are speaking either Spanish or Chinese. I can't remember exactly. And then she replies to them in Spanish or Chinese and it blows their minds. So it's these parallels that they're trying to show you as, oh, yeah, the new person is going to be a good person for the position as the director what when he leaves and then the episode progresses and you start seeing minor clips of this person as she's trying to find people in the hospital but everybody's busy because there's this big surgery that's happening so it goes through that and then eventually you see him have a meeting with the death surgeon um i forget her name off the top of my head but they have this meeting and he essentially gives her the keys and says you're the new director in you know more words than just that and then you're like wait if she's the new director then who is this girl that's meant to be this parallel to him and then you see him kind of walking out holding his daughter uh, after this long day of these all these surgeries and you see all the characters that were main characters throughout the whole season but you see it from the perspective of the little girl of his daughter and you see her kind of stare and look around at all of the doctors and then eventually it just kind of fades in that little girl's face into this new doctor's face. And you discover this isn't the new director. This is 20 years later. This is his daughter who's now coming back to New Amsterdam to be the director at this point in time as she's a grown up. And there's just this very unsettling feeling. I don't know. I don't know why. I just it, it gives me this real unease when you sit there and you think, OK, so she's four maybe by the end of this show so she's a four-year-old in order to be the director of a hospital you have to be late 20s early 30s maybe like that's a big maybe and i'm pushing it i'm gonna say it's closer to the law the older range of 30 especially when it comes to the the amount of education you need the amount of experience you need like i'm gonna say 35 you know maybe like 30 Let's say 40. Let's say she has to be 40. She doesn't look 40. So let's say, okay, let's go even lower. Let's go 35. 35 is a good number. So let's say she's 35 when this is happening. That's 30 years. And all of these people were like old. Like they're like they're in their, their 40s, their 30s, their 40s and whatnot. So all of them have retired. You know, the unfortunate scenario of all of them maybe dying. You just think about where all those original characters are and you don't get to see any of that. And you just let your imagination kind of run with the idea of, oh, no, none of them are there anymore. This is such a huge time jump that all you can really think about is the worst case scenario because that it's 30 years. That's a life sentence. You know what I'm saying? That's what a life sentence is, 25 years. 30 years have passed, minimum, and none of these doctors are probably there. You don't see any of them sitting in the auditorium where they, when she's making her speech, and you just get really unsettled by that idea. 30 years, even if they're not, you know, dead or just really old, they're all retired. They're not still practicing. You know, they, they, they might be, but you don't really think that. And I think that is kind of a big 
like shock value, not just the idea that, oh, his daughter grew up and became a doctor as well because she modeled off of her father and he grew the next generation of doctors who care more about people and less about profit. But you also think about that whole time frame that you don't get to see and everything that happened in between that. Because it also didn't really end off a lot of storylines. There's this whole storyline with the lady who runs the ER and her sister. There's no closure to that story. So you're never going to learn what happened, especially the fact that it jumped 30 years. You're never going to learn that. And that just is a little unsettling. But I think that's also good because it's good storytelling. To me, at least, it's it's extremely good storytelling to see that. And what's even better about this this show and the story is that it's based on a book. It's based apparently on this uh, novel by uh, this other doctor. It's called Twelve Patients. So it's very similar to that idea, I guess, of what that doctor who wrote that book was sort of doing. And maybe some of it's true. I don't know. I didn't really go deep diving into the book. But to me, this show was huge. This show was a real nice thing to get into, especially later on down the line where I don't have to wait many years (laughs) to watch it in full. I literally got to binge five seasons of a show in a couple of weeks and it took up a lot of time, but it was totally worth it at the end of it all.